proceeds from the mouth of God, and we thank you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would feed us, that we'll hunger and thirst after you. Cause us, Lord, to press out the cares of the world that we that easily press upon us and we think about and allow us to worship you in our thoughts as we give attentiveness with a desire to understand, with more desire to put into practice today the things that you have for us through your word in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hopefully uh, you found the handout, the outline in your bulletin. Uh, I've entitled the uh, message today, The Ultimate Show and Tell. Take your Bible, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. We're going to look at verses 44 to 48 and, and see what I consider to be, and we'll talk about it, the ultimate show and tell. Then uh, he said, verse 44, Then he, that's Jesus, said to them, his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now let's stop right at that point. The ultimate show and tell. Perhaps, just perhaps, you are like me. Uh, you were like me in elementary school, at least in this regard, that you really enjoyed. I should. I was going to say, really loved uh, the time uh, of show and tell. I touched on that a little bit last week or the week before, as I was thinking ahead on these sermons. But uh, I couldn't wait till Friday, and that's I'm thinking like third grade, like, uh, and it was always Friday. We always try to have it earlier. Can we have it earlier? You know, I have this I want to show and that and all that kind of business. And it was so much fun. Not everyone participated, but uh, a number of my buddies did. And some of the girls brought in their crafts, and they were always nice and neat, and paintings and this and artifacts of some sort. And guys would bring in critters, all kinds of things, right? Just, uh, what's that in your pocket? Well, I, you know, I got several things moving around in there. And uh, <laughs> sometimes the teacher would uh, the, the rule, nothing living. You know, well, okay, well, then we'll bring in dead things. You know, that wasn't a problem. And so, yeah, I was... Oh, my. <laughs> that was taught 43 years, fourth grade, and you didn't hear her. But uh, one boy came in one day and said, close your eyes. Close your eyes, Mrs. Garner. And she did. Put your hands up and put a snake in her hands. And yeah. <laughs> she didn't dare be afraid, she said. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, like oh, you, the oohs and the ahs, and the kids would run up, take a close look at what was the show and tell. Remember that? Some of you, did, am I, was I the only one like that, or did you guys, or did they do away with that with modern math, maybe? They got rid of <laughs> no, no time. <laughs> so, well, in a strange way, and you go like, oh, we got to pray for our pastor. In a strange way, this is how I think about our Lord Jesus and his appearance his appearances 
during the mysterious, and they are the mysterious days from the resurrection until, until he, his ascension. I mean, it was, can, I, I mean, is it the ultimate show and tell? I mean, like, oh, thank you, Lord, for, you know, showing up, telling us, waiting to see what I got. You know, like, do you, I, mean, I, I don't think so, right? You got that, I got, no. It was like, well, why have it anymore? That, who can, I mean, he's come back from the dead, and it, we're hearing his voice again, and now he's teaching us, and he's not going to be very long, and uh, uh, to me, I mean, if I said last week, I hope I didn't mess you up when I said, I don't know why they weren't camped out outside the tomb. He had said it enough times, the sign of Jonah, three days in the, in the earth, and I'm going to rise. Why it wasn't the ultimate tailgate party in the tomb area. Like counting down, you know, like one more day. And there they, no, they, they were in disbelief. Why? He had said it, so it should have been the ultimate tailgate, like Penn State waiting for the big game to kick off. And like, he said it, we're here, we believe it. They didn't believe it at all. And we went through that last week as we remembered the resurrection. I must say that I've never heard a sermon uh, uh, on the, the period of time, the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus. I don't know if you have or not, but the Lord put this on my heart to, to preach this. Sometimes I thought maybe the title should have been Jesus' Easter Sermon. Uh, that's what I put in the bulletin earlier in the week because that's really what Dr. Luke's going to talk about here, and we just read it, or, or the ultimate show and tell, if you will. I mean, in a strange way, that's how I think about these days prior to his ascension. He, Jesus shows up in closed rooms, you remember that, in the upper room, a couple of times. Thomas missed the first time, and he goes like, unless I put my hands in his Hand, you know, fingers on and feel that I won't. And then the next, you know, the next week the Lord shows up and he's slain, right? My Lord and my God. It's a wonderful confession Thomas makes. He's on the road to Emmaus. What a great, what a great account that is. We could have looked at that right in Luke's account. And we had hoped, we had heard the report, but they were going home. They, they, they didn't have any hope. that uh, There he is making breakfast. You know, uh, another appearance by the Sea of Galilee. They're out fishing all night, and there's the Lord. He's got a fire going and some fish, uh, f not fish sticks, but fish fillets <laughs> on it. You know, throw the net on the other side, right? And, and then uh, they, no, we fished all night. I fished all, not all night, but I fished a lot and didn't catch anything. But uh, then they realized it was the Lord. Of course, Peter, don't you love him, jumps out of the boat, runs up first, and there's the Lord. He's, uh, he's resurrected body. He's, on the, he's, he's cooking. How about that? There's a thing for breakfast, right, guys? Work all night. There he is. I mean, his appearances and, uh, are, are like the ultimate show and tell to me. Well, the, the Bible records that Jesus uh, uh, appeared at least 10 times from this period of the, uh, the resurrection to the ascension. You take the gospel accounts and uh, you, can, you can put them together and there are 10 of them. Now if you want to add his, uh, he goes to glory, but Stephen sees the Lord before he's stoned and then a little bit later the apostle uh, Saul of Tarsus sees the Lord. We know that repeatedly, but from the time of the ascension, uh, the time of the resurrection, uh, to the time of the ascension, uh, there are 10 recorded appearances of the Lord. I don't think it was just a drop-in visit and where'd he go, he's gone. I think there was a durative aspect to it. 
but, uh, uh, but he appears during these times over 40 days now, that's a long time, uh, from his resurrection to his ascension. And in drawing the uh, gospel, his gospel, that is the gospel of Luke, to a close, Luke summarizes Jesus' Easter sermon, and the whole thing is just so utterly amazing to me. You see, Jesus lingered long enough on the earth to satisfy his followers of the truth of his resurrection. It wasn't just, hey, I'm gone. No, he, he realized what he was overcoming in their hesitancy to believe, and they were not easily convinced. Even though he had taught so much, raised the dead, he announced repeatedly he was going to rise, they were like naysayers. Uh-uh. And they, I don't know, were they from Missouri? The show me state? I don't know. He showed them, and they still, you know, like a little slow on the uptake there, sort of like us, right? Um, they had been slow of heart to believe. Luke 24, 25 says that, that the tomb was indeed empty, and so he provided them with impressive proof of his survival. Now, I will know this, uh, they became so utterly convinced, they never doubted again. That's amazing when you see all their initial, what? what are, you, are you telling stories, these ladies? Remember, they're out of their mind. They became, and to the point where they went throughout the known world, and they gave their life as a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Utterly, totally convinced, never wavered ever again. All because of this ultimate show and tell, if you will. Well, there are in our chapter, uh, cha our verse, our uh, chapter 24, verses 44 to 44, four insights of Jesus' Easter sermon preparing us to reach our lost world for him. And that's our mission. Let me remind you, our we love to be together and we grow, uh, grow together and iron, iron sharpening iron together, and that's great, all for a purpose. So when we scatter... We go like missionaries into this world, in our neighborhoods, our families, strangers. We bear in our body the witness of Jesus by life uh, and by voice we do that. And I pray that you are constantly thinking about how can I share Jesus with others? How can he, they, Jesus be seen in my heart and life? And, uh, and even so that people would say, why would you do such a thing? Thank you for asking. It's because God saved me. And uh, you share the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. People hear the gospel then. You've got to talk to people about the small things or you never get to the big things. You jump right to the big things, that they're not predisposed to it. They won't hear you most of the time. And so we have to love people that way. That's our mission, our mission as a church, to be a beachhead for the gospel uh, for the Lord Jesus. Well, his sermon. Let me give you, uh, be, uh, give you the sense of it. Uh, in, in Luke 24, 44 to 48, there are, four, there, there are really four aspects to it. Uh, it's a biblical sermon. It's a Christ-filled sermon. It's an evangelistic sermon. And finally, it's a missionary sermon. It's biblical. It's Christ-filled sermon. Uh, it's evangelistic. There's something people must do in response. And finally, it's a missionary sermon. Those four, if you got those, you can head out the door now. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about what each one of those means. The first insight is Jesus' sermon was a biblical sermon. He proclaimed the gospel promise from the Old Testament, beginning uh, in verse 44. Look what he says. These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses 
That's the first five books of the Old Testament. And the prophets and the Psalms, the writings, the wisdom literature, must, it's not optional, must be fulfilled. And so his sermon, his Easter sermon, uh, in summary, it's biblical, and he presents the promise from the Old Testament. So Jesus gave the disciples a class on biblical interpretations. This was uh, this, uh, this idea of the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms was a shorthanded way of saying the Bible. The New Testament wasn't written at this point, but uh, search the scriptures, he said on the road, they speak of me. I had, a, I had an opportunity yesterday to talk to somebody who uh, didn't believe in the New Testament and, I, and didn't believe in Jesus, and I said, uh, I, he said, Jesus, New Testament. I said, oh, you better read your Old Testament. Uh, Jesus shows up in the first chapter. Oh, really? I said, yeah, in fact, verse 3. And God said, who do you think, who was that? That was the Lord Jesus pre-incarnate. He just doesn't show up after, uh, you know, uh, late in the game here. That's the Lord Jesus. Colossians 1, check it out. Hebrews 1, John 1, he's the creator of all things. And through him, God made everything, the Father. And then all the way through. He, and so the Lord is teaching uh, himself in the scriptures. But you know what? Now, incidentally, they're ready to hear him. Lord, you got my attention. You know, I don't, sometimes it takes a lot of stuff for the Lord to get our attention, doesn't it? The psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I often read that, got that circled. In other words, before I got a good paddling, Lord, I didn't sort of hear it, but now, I, now I'm tuned in here. <laughs> I don't know what it is about us that's like that. But now, in any event, in this ultimate show and tell, they're like, and there's his voice again. We thought we'd never hear his voice again. Isn't that, isn't that one of the things you miss of your loved ones when they pass, is hearing their voice and their voices? You know, I think of that with Pop and Mom, with Faithy, you know, and my dad, and now my brother and your brother, and, and say, so you know what I mean by that. And if, wouldn't you like them to do that ultimate long-distance call? Hey, how you doing? Wouldn't you like to have a conversation just here? And for them to hear the voice of the Lord again. That you, their eyeballs must have been like this. I bet they were really taking notes this time. What's this, Lord? Yeah, I, you, got my, you got my attention here now. Holy cow, we sort of missed that. I don't know if I was daydreaming. Maybe I was thinking of recess when you lectured earlier, and I you know, sort of missed it. Recess and lunch. Amen, guys? That's, a, that's a hell right. That's a <laughs> I don't know how many I went, went to school so many years. Well, they say if you don't get it, just keep doing it. You know. So anyway. They took his words to heart. Uh, uh, anyway, he had told them, he says in verse 40, repeatedly that he would die, that he would rise again, but they never seemed to get it. But things are different now. It's the ultimate show and tell. Jesus said, don't you see? He said, this is what I was trying to tell you before. That's what he's saying in verse 44. And then into verse 45. I wanted, uh, Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he so what he taught came right out of the Bible. It was like, well, I gave him the Bible, and I guess that didn't work. Let me try something else. You know, there are a lot of churches that do that. They used to preach the Word, and they're like, well, people can't take that. doesn't seem to have much effect. Let's try something else. Now listen, it's the Word of God that has the power. That's what God has promised to use. Now take the word, understand it, unfold it, and preach it in the Spirit of God and teach it that way. Teach it to your children, teach it from the pulpit. It's the word of God that we need. So he, he goes and he gives them again the scriptures. 
he unfolds it for the men. And Jesus based his whole life and ministry on the scriptures. Everything written must be fulfilled. The, the divine necessity here. It's kind of like um, if it didn't come about, the whole creation would have, I envision it cracking and splitting and going into a million in the schmitterines, you know, because God had said it and it was laid out exactly. And now, wait, what? Something's happening? It's not, and the whole thing would come flying apart if, uh, if Jesus uh, did, didn't, wasn't, uh, I have on your sheet, if he hadn't come into the world, he came, virgin birth, lived the way he did, sinless, died the way he died, uh, sacrificially, and rise again the way he rose again, uh, and the Bible proclaimed this, and now it must all happen. And so Jesus' Easter sermon, if you will, uh, taught us that it was biblical from beginning to end, that the scriptures had taught it, and therefore we ought to take great confidence in the Word of God. Listen, every generation, the Word of God is under attack. Every generation, it is the Word, and the Word stands. Stand unashamedly upon the Word. Search it, it teaches us of Jesus and that. It's the Word of God. Be filled up with the scriptures, study them. Know the Word. It's the most wonderful book in all the world. You need the Scriptures and search for Christ and, and you'll find Him throughout all the pages of Scripture. Confidence. I mean, what are you going to put your confidence in? Current scientific thought that changes every other day? You know, what are you going to put your confidence in? It is the Word of God. Jesus had confidence in it. Uh, he wrote it and so should we. Be biblical from beginning to end. His sermon was, and so should we. Wow, the Word of God. What Jesus taught came right out of the Bible. Reminds us again, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. When you and I talk to people, you know, and you're thinking about folks, and they have all kinds of ideas, and sometimes you've got to hear some kind of nutty ideas that people pick up along the way, and then they sort of express it, you know. You gotta sort of hear that and then challenge them. But the best thing you do is: Has anyone ever taken a Bible and uh, have you ever studied it? Have Have you ever and then walk them through Romans Road and give them the Word. The power is not in your personality and your ability to persuade. It's in the Word through the Spirit of God. And taking the Romans from all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And friend, what that means is that I have sinned. I was born in sin, and you're in sin. God says all have sinned. And the wages of that sin is death, you see. The confidence is in the Word. Take them to the Word. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's based on the authority of the Word. It's the Word, the whole Word, and nothing but the Word. You know, it ought to be our emphasis. That was Jesus's, and so should it be ours. He proclaimed the gospel promise from the Old Testament, but he doesn't stop there. The second insight, Jesus' sermon was Christ-filled sermon. He proclaimed himself. Not only did he preached the gospel all the way through of their scriptures in that day, but he presented himself. The main thing he taught his men from scriptures was his death and his resurrection. His death and resurrection. It was a vicarious death. It was a real resurrection. I know we live in a day where people will say, well, we don't believe in the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. That sounds so vulgar and so primitive. And people with advanced degrees and in pulpits and and in seminaries and divisions will write this kind of thing? 
And they'll say, like, well, we know no. He was a wonderful teacher, and that's the thing. We ought to model his teaching. Oh, the Sermon on the Mount and all this. Hey, listen, that's not that as wonderful as that is, and it is. The emphasis is his death and his resurrection. The, the rest of it is just like, it's wonderful. But the heart of it, he came to die. That's why, he's, that's the myth. What kind of death was it? He was acting as a shepherd for the sheep. He laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice. The second Adam, our first one failed. Now we're in a heap of trouble. Look at us, right? We're in a heap of, he's the second Adam, the plan of God. Wow. And the resurrection, it's the heart of it. And there are two basic facts of the gospel, the dying and rising of, of the Savior that God promised. Verse 45 reminds us that spiritual truths are spiritually discerned. Look at verse 45 again. Even with his disciples, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the writings, the scriptures, the graphe. And it reminds us, does it not, that the natural man, the unsaved man or woman, uh, uh, cannot understand spiritual things. Can't. They're walking around not only spiritually dead, God says, but they're blind. They're blind in their hearts. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 4, um, that they're blind, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those in darkness lest they should see and believe the gospel. And so these things are spiritually discerned, and God opens the, their hearts or their eyes through the ministry of the Spirit of God. And we all need this, do we not? We all need the eyes of our understanding, or we'll sometimes say the eyes of our heart open, so that we can see the text and understand these things that are spiritually discerned. The gospel promise of the Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus, and it takes a work of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine to understand the scriptures. Now, if we could pass the mic around, it'd be fun to hear your testimony. Some of you came to faith at different ages and to talk about what did, what did you think about the Bible before you were saved? And when, uh, when was it that God shined a light on it? And all of a sudden you realized, whoa, God's speaking to me here. It's like he wrote this for me. He knew me. How did he know me? Sometimes men uh, are under conviction or folks will say to me uh, after a sermon, and they're not perhaps uh, church, and they'll say, like, did anybody tell you about me? I go, like, what do you mean? He said, well, you're, you knew about me, and that's why you preach that. I go, like, no. I know about me, and I know what the Word says, and so when the Spirit of God takes that and conviction in your heart through sin, God is bringing you near to the cross. You're not far from the kingdom. You need to take these things to heart. Come to the cross and receive Jesus as your Savior, as your sin substitute, and so on. It's God that opens their hearts and their minds I can remember early on, just as a, it was a closed book for me, and then all of a sudden it began to be open, and I began to love it more and more, and God speaking through the pages of holy writ to my heart, to my soul. The book, the whole book, and nothing but the book. Now, I love books. I read books. No, no book like this book. I love this. I have to tear myself away daily when I read it, and I commune with the Spirit of God, and and the joy, and it floods my heart to walk with the Lord. It's Christ from beginning to end. Jesus reminded them in verse 46 that the scriptures foretold of his suffering 
his death and his resurrection. And he knew that they needed to believe the word, for faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God, Romans 10. So Jesus walked them through the scriptures, pro proclaiming his life and his work. And I put down a number of references I'm sure he used as Genesis 3.15, you know, right after the fall, there was the promise of the seed of the woman. I mean, that, a woman doesn't have seed. Uh, the man has seed. And the seed of the woman, what is that? In the very earliest of ways, trying to describe a virgin birth, that one would be born in, in, a, in a miraculous way, who would be the deliverer, who would crush Satan with a mortal blow. There in Genesis 3.15, Exodus 3 and 4, the Lord at the burning bush there, the wonder of the deliverer, the Lord, I am that I am. Before Abraham was, I am. That's the Lord Jesus. And then in Exodus verse 12, I have on your sheet, there's the Passover. And Jesus is the Passover and the shedding of the blood and the, the anointing of the, of the mantle and the lintel and, and all that were in there through the shed blood of the lamb and that household were saved and the firstborn did not die. A wonderful picture of our Lord Jesus, our Passover. Leviticus 16, the, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And the high priest sprinkling of the blood on the mercy seat and all picturing the wonder of Jesus in his work. Isaiah 53, the, the suffering servant. All we like sheep have gone astray. The Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Some have called it the very heart of the Bible, if you open your Bible. Psalm 16, the, one of the hymns of the cross. 22, we saw that a few weeks ago. The same. 110, the father says to his son, and he gives him the kingdom. Uh, Jonah, 117, three days in the, in the belly of the whale. That was his symbol. So that is a sign of Jonah. And he connected that with a basic message of the whole Bible is that Jesus Christ suffered, died, and rose again. That's his message. This is his Easter message. And they were taking notes, and they were right with him. And they would be forever assured of this, and they would give their lives, all of them, save maybe one, but he was imprisoned uh, for this truth of the gospel. Christ-filled sermon. You know, I hear a lot of sermons sometimes, and you hardly mention Christ. And they can be like, you know, a big pep talk and be better, you know, and all this nonsense, you know. You know, of course, uh, that's what God's doing in us through salvation, through the power of the cross and the resurrection. He's making us like Jesus, and that result is we are being changed, be being changed. But uh, you, better, you better front and center proclaim Christ. It's all about him. You're missing him, you're missing everything. I had a pastor in our church I grew up with, and uh, he was getting near retirement age, and he wanted to, he wanted to leave a message for all future uh, pastors that would ever come into that pulpit. And I had a chance of preaching at one time, and burned in like the, the old wood burners, you know, but really nice, nicely done. Right in the, right in the it was a big pulpit there at First Baptist Church, and right in there, it was etched in, preach Christ. That was it. I go, that sort of, that sort of says it. That, uh, what's, what's the message? And, you know, it didn't matter what rabbit trail or what diversion or alternate good news sort of message, preach Christ. That's it. That is the message. Death, burial, resurrection, and coming again. That's it. That's it. The rest is sort of window dressing, right? And Jesus himself is preaching himself 
uh, on this Easter sermon. There's a third insight. It's, a, it's an evangelistic sermon. He, he calls us not only to fill notebooks, but he calls us for a response. We're not just a lecture hall. Boy, that's neat stuff I learned here. It's, uh, it calls us to come to grips where we're sinners and lost and under judgment. All people everywhere born this way. That's, a, that's why the good news is really good news. Man told me, he said, I'm trying to keep the law. I said, good luck. You can't do it. Impossible. The law, just shout, shout to you, you're a sinner. You're a lawbreaker. And the good news is that Christ died to make the payment for our sin. And so it's his sermon's evangelistic in verse 40, 47a. Uh, let, me, let me turn back that a page. 47, it begins. And that repentance, there's a response, and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name. It, it, he's, if we believe the gospel as, as, as promised in the Bible, then we too are to repent of our sin. It's an open door now. Open door. One day it's going to be closed. One day. You know this, uh, the, the proclaiming of the gospel, the need the people to be saved? One day there'll be, no, there'll be no need to even say that message. But today is an open day. It's an open door. Open door. You ever go to a place, you, maybe a restaurant, and you discover, like, oh, they're closed on Mondays. Rats. I was thinking about that sandwich all day. Closed. Why are they closed? They shouldn't be closed. They should be open. What's the matter with that? Closed. The gospel is open. It's open door today. Open. Seven days a week, 24. But well, one day, that'll be it. When the last person is saved, that's it. The church will go up, and that, there we go. Done. The bride of Christ, and Christ will come. And uh, what a day that'll be. What an evangelistic sermon it was. Repentance means that it must involve you and me. Repent, turning from our sin, lamenting it. We've broken the heart of God. And forgiveness, release, freedom, praise God. No longer chained to our sin. You know, sin is a chain. It chains us. You know that, right? We get chained in habits. We get chained in it, chained in it. And forgiveness releases the Greek word aphemy means to set free. Just set free. We're set free. Free to live, free to be holy, free to serve the Lord by his grace. And so it's, he calls for a response, repentance. So God's gospel is far more than the facts. They're facts indeed. It really was a cross. He really died. He was really, on the third day, vacated uh, the tomb. The facts indeed, but we must respond to them in a saving and believing way. Jesus reminded them that they, are not, they were not only his sufferings foretold, but also the promise of repentance and forgiveness is foretold in the scriptures. I have a couple of references. Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thought. Or Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy from God. Today, repentance and forgiveness are to be proclaimed based upon what Jesus did at the cross. People are lost. They need the Lord. They need to deal with their sin. It's only the gospel. Only the gospel. Jesus tells us in this Easter sermon that repentance and forgiveness be proclaimed. It doesn't mean just pastors from the pulpit in this formal setting, but as we go our way, that we look to connect in the people and our family, and we're bold enough and loving enough, bit by bit by bit, to plant the water and pray for God to work in hearts and lives. Where would we be if we hadn't 
God hadn't opened our heart in, in repentance and faith and a part of my life and yours. I hate to think about that, really. I hate to think about that. Where would you be if God hadn't apprehended you? And there are other people like you that are far lost and that need the Savior. People need the Lord. That's the reason for grace. We exist for those who have yet to know Jesus. The last is it's a missionary sermon. That's the fourth insight. It's mission. He called us to take it to the world, to the whole world, to all. 47b to 48, look what he writes. And that repentance and faith, uh, forgiveness of sins, should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, ethnos, all nations, all people, beginning from Jerusalem. And you, Jesus, saying, you are my witnesses of these things. The message of repentance and faith is for everyone in the whole world. Uh, it sounds like what he's going to say and if, uh, as he ascended there in Acts 1.8, right? You're to be my witnesses in Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It wasn't like uh, 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 sequentially. It means all at the same time. Jerusalem, yes. Not until it's all evangelized, then Judea. No, we're to have a witness in all these at the same time. And, uh, and, and, and what? And, and, and how do we do that? Well, first, we believe the gospel for ourselves. Need to do that, confessing our sins and trusting uh, with, uh, the Lord with our own faith that he gives us. And then next, we proclaim the gospel to others. Uh, you are witnesses of these things, verse 48. This was God's plan from the very beginning, before Israel. I have it uh, there in, in Genesis 12, even, that Abraham's seed was to be a blessing the seed the pointing to Jesus, to all the world, to the whole world, not just to national political Israel. And these other verses point to that. God uh, was never the God of the Jews only. There was a point in time where there were no Jews, right? It was a seed of Abraham that came, you know, 2000 uh, B.C. or 2100 B.C., whatever you're going to do with the date there. But you've got the centuries before that time, there were no Jews, it was all the lineage from the post-flood from Noah and his sons. And then God picked. It was his always to be his intent, even with the nation of Israel, that they should be a light to the whole world. And today, how do we carry this out? We carry it out through our missionaries. We pray and support and pray that God raises up in our family, both near and far, home missions, foreign missions, and by our own efforts to reach the lost, our neighbors, our family, our workmates, those that we play with and have sports with and all these things, and which uh, in uh, reaching the world, which uh, in today's America, really, they're at our front door. It's a different world from when I grew up. I mean, we can walk down the street not too many miles and see multiple, multiple nationalities and people from all over the world. I actually, I love it very much. I love it very much. And uh, there are so many people that are displaced and God has brought to our shores, and I think for that reason, that we might see them one to Christ. I pray that God makes our church like a United Nations. People from every dialect that we were like, we got all these languages, maybe we ought to have a second service in a different language and all that. I would absolutely love Grace Church to be like a slice of heaven. You think it's going to look like us in heaven? Uh-uh. There's going to be people from every tribe and kindred and nation and language group, and I'd love grace to be a part of that. And it begins by praying, having a vision, and then just befriending folks and sharing with them Christ. I mean, I see them all week long. I see the 
the loaves are Russians and Asians and Eastern Europeans. I see the Latinos. I love them all. I just, and the Africans, uh, we see also the Somalis around. And we're like, Lord, why are they, why, why, they need to be a part of grace. You know, we need to have a flavor of heaven here. And it's got to be, God's brought them to our door. That's the cheap way of doing missions. He said, okay, we're only sending out a few missionaries. Well, we'll just pack them all up and bring them to America. We'll put them around Grace's front door and around our families and in our neighborhoods. And I'll tell you, the foreigners, we talk about that a lot with men, they're lonely people. They're uprooted from wherever it was. And they need us. They're vulnerable and they're lonely. Larry was telling a story about, at Men's Fraternity, about a gal who was uh, from a foreign country and she was so lonely during the day, that disconnected from her, her family and uprooted and all that, and uh, just to go be with people. She said, I'm going to go down to the cinema and sit in a room and watch a movie just to be near somebody. And when she got there, as Larry told her, there was no one in the cinema. <laughs> and I go like, oh. And if we would have a heart and have eyes that see and just befriend them, have them in for a meal, be, get to know them, they would, be, they would never forget it. I've lived in foreign countries. I did some studies in Brazil for a long time and other things. And anyone that has you in for the meal, you just love them forever, you know. Like uh, they didn't, you're, they're not like invisible because that's what happened. You know, we go, oh, I don't know you and I don't need to know you and I don't want to know you. You know, I'm busy enough. I got enough in my life. God forgive us for that, really. Well, Jesus, take it to the world. And God's brought the world here. And may God light a fire under us to do that. And he engaged in that. And Jesus' sermon was a missionary sermon. Well, Jesus did what was prophesied. Then he preached what he had done, his saving work in human history. I dare say it was the ultimate show and tell, this sermon after the resurrection. Wow. Lessons for our life quickly. Number one, come to love your Bible more and more and more as you discover it's one message from God to you. That is, here it is. Jesus is the promised Savior who came, suffered, died, rose again, and by doing this, he provided you with eternal life. The Bible is his story from cover to cover. Read it, memorize it, meditate on it, obey it, and give it out so that others come to know him. That sort of summarizes my life, really, that first one. That's what I strive to do every day. I get my little memory cards. I learn these a hundred times. Why can't I remember them? You know, I, can't, I do that. I'm on a ring, you know, and I meditate. Lord, I put myself into it. Lord, help me to obey this. I want to, Lord, help me. I failed in that so often. Lord, pick me up. I want to, I want to, and I want to give it out. I'm, I meet different ones. I want to connect with them. I wonder about their soul. Number two, as you read your Old Testament, look for Jesus in its pages. Look for him and you'll find him. Marvel when you see him or the many types and symbols and practices and figures that represent him. He's, he's all over the place. And he, using, God uses the longer narrative of the Old Testament to show uh, his son. Rub the sand out of your eyes and really look for him. You'll find him. It'll change your study of the Old Testament. Number three, you are urged to personally respond to Jesus by repenting of sin. If you've never done that, I urge you to do that. Repent. Turn 180 degrees. Confess that. Lord, it is sin. Agree with him. And receive the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Lord Jesus, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you. Thank you for dying in my place. And you'll be forgiven all of your... Isn't that great? <laughs> and the burden rolled off. Oh, 
the burden of my sin, the burden of your sin. Oh, oh man. Wow. Number four, uh, we are charged to carry this one message to the whole world. Let's recommit ourselves. Shall we do that as a church by praying for the nations, by giving our time and money for this, by reaching out to those near us who are foreigners? Be a missionary every day. We teach that to our kids, that little song. We need to do that. Take it to heart. And perhaps that's why God brought them to our shore, to hear the wonderful message of Jesus. And I just ask, will you reach out to someone today? Don't let the day pass. I pray someone will have someone walk right by you or you do some vending or trading uh, that uh, someone there will, will take the message of Jesus. Jesus calls us to do this. Well, Jesus' own Easter sermon, the ultimate show and tell. Amazing. They took it to heart and they never looked back. And may that be true with us. Let's stand and be dismissed with prayer. Father, thank you so much for uh, this text. And it's a wonderful text, Lord. I, I know sometimes we're flooded and diverted in our attention and, and thinking about the cares of this world and so many things on us that we don't take to heart the things that you teach us. And then through a series of activity, Lord, we, you have our attention. And I pray, Lord, that we, each one of us, will recommit ourselves uh, to loving the Word, to obeying the commission, and to being a loving bridge to all people. And that you'll burden our hearts, Lord, on the many foreigners that are in our area, that uh, we can be a friend to them. And that you might use us uh, in the course of time and seeing them come to know Christ. We pray for that, Lord. Thank you so much for this resurrection message. May it go in our hearts and our lives and change us, Lord, this day. Make us a blessing to all that we should meet. Use us for your glory's sake. Thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen. We are dismissed. I didn't hear.